Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 58. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today I interview Vinicius Draculino Magalhães. Draculino is a fifth-degree black belt from Carlos Gracie Jr. He currently lives in Texas and owns three academies. He's the regional director for Gracie Baja in the state of Texas. He talked about the importance of having a mentor and listening to this mentor. He shared his early days in jiu-jitsu from moving to Belo Horizonte, accepting Carlos Gracie Jr.'s challenge to open the first Gracie Barra School out of Rio de Janeiro to eventually take an even bigger challenge, which was moving to the United States and take his professional career to another level, which inspired me to title this episode, Big Challenge Equals Big Opportunity. Stick around after the interview when I share my final thoughts of the episode with you. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Vinicius Draculino Magalhães. Draculino is a fifth-degree black belt from Carlos Gracie Jr. He has won two silver medals at the World Championships. He is a two-time Brazilian national champion and a three-time Pan Am champion. In 1996, he moved to Belo Horizonte and opened the first Gracie Barra school outside the state of Rio de Janeiro. Since then, he has become recognized as one of the best BJJ instructors in the world, and his students have won many world championships. He has awarded over 100 black belts in his teaching career. He currently lives in Texas and owns two Gracie Baja schools, and he is the regional director for Gracie Baja in the state of Texas. Dracolino, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Professor Gustavo. It's a pleasure to be here in honor. I've been following your work, and uh, that will be a great time, I'm pretty sure. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, the interesting thing is, too, that before we schedule the interview, I watched your interview in, in Portuguese at a confraria. It was a two-hour <laughs> long, and I watched the whole thing, actually, because I like it. So, you know, it's, it's very entertaining. <laughs> a lot of the Americans, even if you put subtitle, maybe they wouldn't be able to connect as much as the Brazilians do. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was really entertaining it was really cool and get to know more about your work too yeah a lot of people a lot of people liked it i've been having a really good feedback but uh believe it or not i'm getting a little bit of hate too <laughs> part of it oh my goodness it blah, blah, blah. how can you do that you guys are wild you guys are thugs blah 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 anyway it is what it is <laughs> no kidding so tell us how did you just show up in your life man like 
honestly, a lot of people train jiu-jitsu, start training jiu-jitsu because they have all their martial arts backgrounds. I actually do. Uh, I trained judo when I was a really young kid, but jiu-jitsu came into my life because of surfing, you know? As you know, in Rio, the jiu-jitsu and surfing culture are really connected. A lot of surfers train jiu-jitsu, a lot of jiu-jitsu uh, practitioners surf. So I was uh, a kid and I started surfing when I was around 11, 10, 11 years old in Baja. And some of the people that I surfed and I hang out with were the Gracie family. You know, I used to be pretty much almost neighbors from uh, Hansel, Half, High End. Uh, after a little, a couple of years, the, the first Gracie Jiu Jitsu school opened in Baja with Master College Gracie Julian, Cardin Gracie and Helion Gracie, and the, the Bashado brothers. And then uh, through surfing, one thing led to the other, you know. I, uh, uh, I got to be friends with these guys. I saw that uh, how amazing it was like, to see guys like Hansel. Hansel's really small, skinny guy. And uh, in confrontations on the street, he always did the best. We always got the best of the, of the street fights with technique, with that. And I had judo before, so I kind of relate. And one thing led to the, the other, I started training. Uh, I actually start my first, actually, formal classes with Pitoko, Tachila Jada Pitoko. He's the, the main guy from InFight, as you know. Uh, oh, and uh, amazing guy, too, from Baja, too. Everybody was friends. We're all mm -hmm. friends from, from surfing. Pitoko, Hanzo, Half, Gordo, uh, everybody, you know. So one thing led to the other. I end up in Gracie Baja, and here I am. This was back in... I would say that one of the whole thing started was probably 1984, maybe late 1984, 1985, around that time. Right on. And how do you feel jiu to life? I think jiu-jitsu, honestly, people think I exaggerate, Gustavo, but I think jiu-jitsu replicates life completely, you know? In jiu-jitsu, you have to deal with great days and you have to deal with really bad days as you know not just in training but also from like a loss of friendship or betrayal or actually the other way around you like actually see that you can count with one of your 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 your, your, your jiu-jitsu brothers there more than sometimes even your own family you know uh, uh you have to understand that doesn't matter if you reach or good looking uh, famous doesn't matter inside the four lines of a mat of a dojo area everybody's the same and uh, this is very educational and very humbling you know I've been, I've been seeing a lot of people being humble by jiu-jitsu and uh, and like I said you know like uh, different games like relating more to the technical aspect different games of people that you train you have to have a different approach you have to adapt you know you have to actually sometimes concede to eventually overcome it, it's, it's pretty much a, a replication of life man like whoever trains jiu-jitsu every day and train their own lives they can relate to a lot of things you know so uh, i really really make a parallel and a connection between both for sure so i know especially since i just recently listened to your interview but when did you have that spark to pursue the vision of pursuing jiu-jitsu you know as many of the listeners know of course it's not easy to make transition sometimes to the corporate world to actually pursue the vision the passion but when did you have the spark that you thought you know what i think i can probably do that for a living 
Yes, Gustavo, I always loved jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu was the activity that brought me more pleasure to do, uh, that brought me more joy. Uh, not just competing or starting teaching, not that, the, the whole thing. I mean, the whole spectrum, the whole lifestyle, the whole thing. It's something that I felt that was my tribe, that was at home. It made me feel good. But at the same time, as you remember, you kind of, I think we relate in age. I'm probably a little older than you. Uh, and uh, it was hard, remember. It was really hard for, for somebody to make a living exclusively from jiu-jitsu. I, I used to see that in, in the early 90s, for instance, uh, the top dogs in Rio, the top uh, instructors, uh, they were pretty much living a very frugal life. They didn't have any luxury. They were literally like working to pay their bills. You know, Grandmaster Carlos Gra uh, Carson Gracie, Carlinhos Gracie, my master, uh, Andre Pedernera is your professor. Nobody was making like a killer living and a, a really good living out of jiu-jitsu. Uh, like a Hoyler Gracie, because, you know, he used to teach there in, in Umaita. None of those guys were making really good living, really good money out of jiu-jitsu. They had a simple life, but that was it, you know. So, I mean, uh, that was something very risky to do. So uh, I pursued like the regular path, right, Gustavo? What's the regular path, you know? You go to good schools, you, you do the, 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 the test, the vestibular. Vestibular is something that is kind of like an else. Uh, how, can I, how can I say here, Gustavo, how can we translate to explain them, like the test that you do to go to universities? Yeah, it's, 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 it's tough to relate because... Yeah, it's kind of hard. This, yeah, because they don't have this format here. But yeah, basically, yeah. for the listeners, what it's saying is in order for you to get to school, you have to do an annual test. And the school that you went to, it's a lot harder to, to get in. As a matter of fact, it's the same school that I went to. I went for physical education, though. But I went to the same university, which yeah. is very hard to, to get in, especially the major that you were going for. And yeah. you have one, one shot a year. If you don't make it, you have another shot the following year. So the exactly. U.S., they don't have anything, as far as I know, related to that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to, to, to relate, you're right. And then, like, uh, long story short, I made this this test. Uh, we, I got approved to uh, UFRJ, UF, UFRJ, same as yours, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I did the whole course, you know, uh, before I graduated. Uh, I got my, my graduation in law. I worked for two years with Petrobras, uh, before I, I graduated, I made my test with the, with the OAB, which is like the, the, the board, the national board of lawyers in Brazil. I still have my license, by the way, mm -hmm. and I keep paying every year. I don't know why I keep paying that thing. It's a lot of money. But, uh, but yeah, but the time, to be more specific for your question, the time that I really, really clicked on me that uh, I should try to pursue uh, a jiu-jitsu uh, uh, career uh, full-time was uh, actually two, two moments. Like one moment that I got a ride with my dad. My dad is a doctor. And uh, my dad dropped me on the city center downtown Rio. And you can, uh, it was like close to uh, Presidente Vargas Avenue mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, Rio Branco Avenue, like very on the heart of, of, of uh, downtown Rio. And uh, I had to, to run some errands and, and go by a, 
the regional, uh, the, the TRT is the regional uh, 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 tribune, how can I say, the, 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 the court, the regional court, federal court. And then he dropped me there and I was like putting my, my tie and I was like, oh, okay, dad, I love you, bye. But he looked at me when I crossed the street and he fought to myself and he told me later, he goes like, this is not going to work, man. <laughs> my own dad said that. My own dad. He said, like, this is not going to work. And my dad always went to all the tournaments with me. He went to all the super fights. Remember the lots of super fights that we had in Brazil, like in the Arena Copacabana and, and, and the Flamengo Stadium, all those that, that participated. And uh, he said that, and uh, he told me that. You know, he said, like, you know, I mean, you do whatever you want to do. I know you're going to be brilliant or whatever you do, but think about what makes you happy. So my father was a very, like, he, incentive me like in a really good way you know and then the time that i knew for sure was uh when they had the first pan american championships in mm -hmm. 1995 and uh it, it wasn't a big tournament it was actually bigger than we expected but not 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 as close as today's you know not even Absolutely. close you know of course and uh a bunch of us from brazil went and uh, we competed against some guys from america actually some tough guys already back in the day I competed against a really, uh, a really well-known guy. He's in uh, in in, uh, in America now, Fernando Yamazaki, and uh, I had a good result. I won. Uh, it was one of the few black belt matches that they had. Uh, and then I saw how cool the stadium was, how the Americans were treating us, kind of like almost treating us like celebrities, man. Mm -hmm. Because the whole thing with Royce Gracie and UFC was starting. It's kind of like we are, we were wizards or something, you know, like you look at us, kind of like, it's kind of black belt jiu-jitsu, oh my gosh, Brazilian guy, oh, train you, train you the Gracies. And I was like, man, I think this is going to explode in the world, not just here, but this is going to be huge. And then I got a car ride with my master, Master Carlos Gracie Jr. and his ex-wife, Adriana. And during this car ride, it was like a two-hour ride to, to a, a theme park in, a, in, in California to the Six Flags park he was telling me he was always a visionary master Carlos Gracie Jr. is a visionary he looks he has a gift man he does I, I'm telling you right now and he said like look Draculino this is gonna explode jiu-jitsu will finally explode and with jiu-jitsu exploding our organization Gracie Baja will explode I need you to take part of that you're one of the guys that I know that will be good for us and will be he's gonna be good for you you're gonna have a great life training, teaching, and competing in jiu-jitsu. I was like, really? Yeah, what's your plans? I was like, I don't know. I just had like a public, uh, I made like a, a public test. We had a, a public job. And I passed actually, you know, and uh, and I was telling him that. I was like, yeah, that's, I don't know. It's risky, master, you know, and this is tough and this and that. And he goes like, look, a guy like you will go far. Trust me. That's what I needed, Gustavo. That's exactly what I needed. And then couple of months later, I actually moved to Belo Horizonte, opened my first school there. It was the first Gracie Barra official school outside of Rio de Janeiro. Mm -hmm. And then, thank God, history was made, man. You know, here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. And I want to know more, too, about how was the mindset during that transition? Because a lot of the listeners sometimes want to do the same that you did. Yeah, leave what the corporate world or do something that they know they're not happy, but sometimes they get overwhelmed with the fear, the anxiety, yeah. the fear, they don't know what's going to happen. So 
how did you deal with some of the the I don't know doubts or fears that they sometimes yeah. they, they pop up. For sure, no, and it's normal, Gustavo. Is it? I mean, we're all humans. We we, we think sometimes you overthink. You know, when you overthink, I think everything goes down south. It's almost as bad as not thinking. <laughs> mm. You know, in my opinion. But uh, you're the expert. But, you know, but anyway, uh, what happened is that uh, it was it was never something that I didn't have a choice. You know, I, I mean, I really think that when you don't have a choice, it's easier because you don't have a choice. I mean, if I didn't have anything. Uh, going on in my life, if I didn't go to a university, if I didn't have my law school diploma, if I didn't have my lawyer's license, if I didn't have anything, I would just jump in any jiu-jitsu opportunity that I would because there was nothing else that I could do. But it was different. It was different because I had this other career that I could pursue and I couldn't be playing around because I already had a daughter uh, on that time. And I had I already had a family, my, my wife and my daughter. And uh, I couldn't play around. So, of course, I thought about it. I was like, man, this is risky. But at the same time, I really believe that I can be good at it. I really believe the timing is good because it's developing. So, uh, I'll give it a shot. And, uh, and uh, I was a little scared. I had to move cities. I had a great support of my, my, my wife's uh, family there. My wife was in Rio for all, almost all her life. But she had a lot of relatives there in Belo Horizonte. So, Everything went well. But honestly, Gustavo, I'll tell you now, a lot of people don't know that, but I think the, the, the hardest move, the fear that I had more, more than this one, was actually moving from uh, Belo Horizonte to, to America. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. was the, the, the tough one. And I tell you why, man, because I already had established school in Belo. I had a good living. I'm not going to lie to you. I had a good living. For Brazilian standards, I was paying my bills. I had a, my own apartment. I had my car. I was living well. My kids were in like private school. So I had a good life. I had a lot of champions under me. I was, you know, quite successful as an athlete too. Everything was going great. But uh, I was seeing that I wasn't moving forward too much, you know. I was uh, kind of stuck in a circle. It was okay. I was in my comfort zone. Kind of, kind of, kind of my comfort zone, but uh, that's when the entrepreneur spirit came. I was like, I just don't want to be doing that. I mean, I'm gonna get old. I'm not gonna be able to teach the same amount of classes that I'm teaching. And here, for now, I feel that's gonna be a little tough. And then I came to America, but uh, to come to America, you know, you're you're just as me. It's not easy. And I came with family, my wife. My daughter, my son, they're already pretty much teenagers. They didn't want to come. Of course, teenagers don't want to come. Teenagers want to be with their friends and doing what they do. And uh, like I said, I had to pretty much, man, I remember, I still, I still get goosebumps with that. I had to sell everything I had. I sold even my, my bed. sold my refrigerator. I sold my car. I sold sofas. Everything you can imagine every single little thing i i left my apartment there i put it to rent but besides that i didn't have anything man zero i got the money and i came here with a dream but uh knowing that if the dream didn't work that would be really really tough that could cost me 
way more than it could cost back in the day when I moved yeah. from, from, from Rio to Bello, you know? And that's when I really uh, 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 believed on my gut and took the risk. I said, you know what? I have to take the risk. You know, your story, because I, I thought about this when I listened to your interview in Portuguese, your story is very similar. One of my best personal friends, uh, Hobson Mora, for some of the listeners that are IBJJF Hall of Famer, five-time Black Belt World Champion. Amazing. So he, I interviewed him on episode 10, and the title of the episode is What Can You Do? But it was basically based on what he was saying in an interview but because his transition was very similar to yours. He was in Ribeirão Preto, and he was fine. Yeah. He was doing well. His school was popping. Everything was good. And he is very similar. I was I was listening to your story and thinking about his story because it was exactly the same. And he wow. started asking himself, like, man, what can I do to take my life to another level? How can I challenge myself? You know, how what do I have to do? And the and the next step was to move abroad and and in this case to the United States. Wow. So he came in the same situation, you know, and I followed the whole process with him since the beginning. It was hard too for him to leave start and have uh, problems with the person that he worked with and had to leave and you know yeah. all kinds of stuff the struggles yeah. that you know then we don't know anything in the beginning exactly. and all because he wanted to accept on a new challenge uh, in his life the same way you did and i think we all uh, for the most part people like quotes i i have some of the quotes that uh that I do my best to, to live by in congruence with. And my number one quote that I try to live since I'm a teenager is if you're looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge. And, oh, yeah. when, and when you think about it in your life, every time you accept a big challenge in your life, a big opportunity came from it. Maybe, maybe oh, the yeah. outcome of the challenge wasn't the desire back then. Maybe mm -hmm. it makes sense. Like, Oh man, I didn't, Maybe I didn't win that tournament or I didn't get the deal that I wanted or whatever that is, but an opportunity for growth present itself. Now, it's in a lot of the times, the opportunity present itself as another form of a challenge. So it's up to you. What do you do with the result of this challenge that you accepted? And this quote just fits perfectly for you, too, because... Number one, when you left Rio to Belo Horizonte, if you're looking for a big opportunity, that was a hell of an opportunity. You yeah. took a big challenge. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you look at it, it's kind of odds against you in a way, starting from zero and didn't know how it's going to be. And yeah. it's interesting, too, for people to understand, like you said, when you did that, when it wasn't that popular, like today people make it, they can live a lot better in jiu-jitsu than oh, yeah. it was years and years and years ago. And the and like you said, I agree one hundred percent. You do the second jump from when you're already good and like I'm good to like I want to be even better. Yeah. That's a tough decision that uh, you need to have the guts to do it. So for and I always like to remind the listeners too, man. Uh, time's ticking. We're not gonna be here forever. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely, man. Time is ticking, and. Uh, if you're, for all the listeners, if you're in a position right now that you feel that you're in a comfort zone, you're doing good, but you got to ask yourself, can I do even better? It's not about yeah. being greedy. It's just about yeah. level up. I mean, how can I reach another level in my life? So, uh, man, 100%. major stops for you for that. Man, because, uh, 
you're right, 100% right. 100% so right. as far as struggles, I always like to ask about struggles in the entrepreneurship, but I, I have to say the struggle is your transitions, you know, the yes. trans basically going from Belo Horizonte and then from there to here. So what would you say was the biggest struggle arriving in U.S. as far as getting situated, different culture, and what do you think some of the struggles that you had? Man, like mostly, uh, I'm not going to be one of those guys that will kind of like uh, say like it count like a story, kind of like uh, trying to be almost fictitious, fictitious to say, mm -hmm. oh, I, I slept on a bench, I cleaned the toilet. Nah. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not one of those guys. The the truth is that this is an amazing country, as you know, right, Gustavo? It's a country that rewards hardworking. If you hard, if you're a hard worker, you can make it here in this country. And and it's not necessarily true in other countries, as you know. So uh, I came here with a lot of desire to work hard. Uh, I my main, I think my main struggles on the beginning here. I'm not gonna talk about cultural differences because. There, there were nothing major, but there were, and the family adapting, and you know, and and all that. I think the most uh, challenging thing for me was to understand the system here in America. It is there's some similarities, but this can be a lot different than Brazil. You know, in simple little things, simple little things on how to get a credit card on the bank, or how to get a, a, a document on how to do your, your immigration papers to work in a way that you're going to be able to do other things that are pending to that. I never had to deal with that because I was a Brazilian citizen born in Brazil. So, I mean, I, I had no clue on how tough that could be for a foreigner to have trivial things uh, done. For example, I still remember, like, uh, when I moved to an apartment, my first apartment that I moved I, I didn't know. I thought you just like moved to the apartment and then the electrical company sent you the bill like it is in Brazil. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't know. Here uh, we needed like thousands of choices and you have to go to a bro through a broker most of the time. The broker is the one that represents certain uh, entities for electricity and then you apply and then you have to have the, 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 the thing that we don't have in Brazil, the, the, the credit thing. I didn't mm. understand this credit thing. I hear you. <laughs> you know, you, I, I'm pretty sure you had to do that. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, what's your credit? I was like, my credit? You mean like how much I have in my bank? Or, or my credit card? Or what do you mean? <laughs> I didn't understand that. And then they say, no, what is credit? No, credit is like you build... Like when you pay your bills on in time, and then you have a good relationship with the, with, with the bank, and this and that, and, and it's like okay, but uh, how are we gonna build credit if you don't give me credit? <laughs> so, oh, but to have credit, you have to have a social security number. So okay, okay, social security numbers for retirement stuff, right? And they say no, not necessarily. And and then you know those those things, you know, Gustavo, like I those hear. little, you you've been there, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah, so this uh, until we clicked yeah. and that's at the same time all that and all the big picture stuff how to put put the school where to put the school the guys that you need to sign for your school because you're not a citizen uh who's your sponsor immigration papers immigration lawyer this and that the school itself uh how how to attract students 
there was just the start of the internet, Google stuff. Google wasn't even big. Nobody cared about Google too much. Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, what's the name of the thing? Uh, MySpace. Mm -hmm. Oh, you have to have MySpace account. Man. <laughs> so all this was kind of overwhelming. You know, nothing major, Gustavo, mm -hmm. but everything was overwhelming. Even when my, 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 my wife had like a little small car wreck, I didn't know. We didn't know. Hey, where's your insurance? Hey, what that? And then the cop comes and she didn't speak. So mm -hmm. all that got over, overwhelming at the point, you know? Mm -hmm. But now, I mean, honestly. We adapt, like you said earlier in jiu-jitsu, you adapt. You're, you adapt. You know, you came to the U.S. and then you would just adapt. You're used to something. Now we do something else. So uh, <laughs> exactly. that's part of it. So what is yeah. a topic that you like to talk with your students? You know, like after training, sometimes they hang out and then talk. What is topics that you like to share with them about life, about or business? What is something that you like to share with them? Man, like, uh, honestly, the we call resenhas, right, Gustavo, in, mm -hmm. in Brazil? The, yeah. The, the post-training resenhas means like that post-training talk that everybody on, is on that uh, on the state of mind, the only training jujitsu gives you, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of that, the, if I would translate that high of a hard training of jujitsu, that you sit with your friends and you open your gear a little bit and you stay by the wall and then you talk, you know, I was, this is one of my favorite parts of training. Actually, <laughs> I like it almost as much as the training itself, you know? And, uh, one of the topics that, that, that we talk more, Uh, I, 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 I really like uh, to talk about past experiences that can mm -hmm. translate to, 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 to actual experience that are, that are happening or about to happen. It's like to give an advice or to take a lesson from. And, uh, and now almost all of that, are, of course, are, re are related to jiu-jitsu. You know, I mean, I've been doing jiu-jitsu forever. And, and the one way or the other situations in my life, most of them are related to jiu-jitsu. So... I, I like to talk about that. I like to also hear about the experience. I love to sit around more graduated people than me. I love it. This is one of my favorite things, man. Like when I sit around uh, uh, the masters and all that, and man, I, uh, I, uh, I keep listening to, to the stories and I keep listening to, to the stories and then the meaning of the story and all that. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. And I always can get something, something good and something positive out of that, you know? So, My, my, my favorite thing is pretty much that. So on that topic, there's another question that I'm going to bring it a little bit earlier is what best advice I've ever received. But you mentioned about your master, Carlos Gracie Jr. And I have mentioned here that he's one of the, let's say, some of the people that I look up to in jiu-jitsu business, my master, Andre Pedaneros, as an entrepreneur. Yes. And and Carlos Gracie Jr. as the visionary that he is, what he is able to, to do from taking the Brazilian Nationals 94 at Axi, which yeah. is a small club, to, <laughs> yeah. to do the Worlds. And then the Worlds with the wrapping jeans and hat, you know, yeah. to be like, to see the evolution every month, every month, sorry, every year, or every month with the, you can every see. Every month, every that. day, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because, know? yeah, I mean, they have full-time employees, so it's uh, every yeah. day. But I'm saying, like, back then, and as you mentioned, um, even I was having a conversation with uh, Luca Tala once, mm -hmm. and years ago, and he mentioned that, Gustavo, when probably, like, in a, when they started Gracie Mag in the mid-'90s, and he said, like, I didn't know, but... Uh, Carlos just said, 
we're going to spread, everyone's going to know about jiu-jitsu. We're going to put jiu-jitsu all over the world. We're going to have tournaments all over the world. And, and he said, like, well, he was the master. Was, I couldn't see what he was seeing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But, like, I, I went along because, like, okay, you know, if he's saying so. But he, but in his mind, and especially officially in 1994, was the first Brazilian national, if I'm correct, right? Cause yes. Was that was a 93. 93 was the first one. Mameluki with yeah. uh, Andre Pedreiros uh, yeah. was the organizer. Yeah, he and he was me. called Brasileiro. Everybody competed yeah. on that one. But as far as CBJJ, CBJJ I believe, 94. That's yeah. when it started, like, uh, officially. But yeah. uh, um, if you see the, the 25 years later, what you mentioned about the first pans, I still get triggered with some people. They complain, like, oh, look, you know. they So, like, when you stop to think about, for the listeners, too, I'm going to have to be very clear how many, like how much like balls you need to have to leave Brazil in 1995 to do a tournament in the U.S. for 200 people, barely yeah. 200 people yeah. in the same venue that they have the venue right now. Matter exactly. of fact, the Not exact fact. same venue. That's something that people don't realize. Oh, they have 3,000 better four thousand look how much money to make like did you ask him in 1995 how much he was making yeah you know what i'm saying yeah and, exactly and people exactly. especially new generation if you're listening right now we haven't seen some of the early days it's very easy to judge and criticize people now that you know it, it's it's big or whatever but they don't see the big picture of like how far uh, the organization came. So with that said, like what's something, some of the lessons that you, you learned from it? I would love to hear some some stories or you can share. You, you already said one great one because I was like many times uh, participating on talks that uh, Carlinhos was saying like, one day we're going to be having international champions, international jiu-jitsu championships with more than a thousand people. And most of the people that were around, I saw them doing like, <laughs> he's crazy <laughs> mm -hmm. he's like a megalomaniac I mm -hmm. saw that with my own eyes nobody told me and uh, and look at that now I mean a thousand a thousand people in the tournament Gustavo it's like an open tournament like a those yeah. local open tournaments like a Houston Open or Phoenix Open or yeah man like I think the last uh, Nationals Brazilian Nationals they had 8,500 competitors <laughs> yeah. it was two weeks <laughs> yeah. from from Wednesday to Saturday to to Sunday, it's something like, I mean, uh, among us, you know, and, yeah. and again, I'm glad that you said that because I mean, a lot of people, man, of course, there's more haters than people who think clear and, and, and see the, the, the picture because they have no idea on how it was back in our days that tournaments, for instance, man, you go to a tournament, the mats were like very old opening. Mm -hmm. You never knew who would compete on your bracket. We do, you didn't know what time you would compete. <laughs> you had no idea. They had to go you after, know. look for refs. Who wants to ref? Who, who wants, wants to ref? Yeah, hey, hey, please, man. Come on. Have ref here for me. Man, they didn't see any of that. They didn't <laughs> see like, uh, like there was like absolutely zero money on, involved on that. There was no money on that. There was absolutely zero money and with a big chance for you to lose money. If you invested like back in the day, and that's what happened to, to those guys a bunch of times. So uh, uh, to, to, to get jiu-jitsu where jiu-jitsu is nowadays, 
and criticize. And I'm not saying I'm one of those not one of those guys that say everything is perfect. And I'm like a Absolutely. like a you know like a like a like a radical to say like oh shut up whatever. No, there are things that can be better always, of course, you know. But man, they are living a moment in jujitsu that is like unheard of. Man, I, I keep hearing now how much some very well-known athletes are making, Gustavo, in, in, in ventures such as, like, uh, oh, cash training, money for competing. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean... Or DVDs. Yeah. Man, do you see the, amount, the amounts of, like, the people are making on these DVDs nowadays? Yeah. It, 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 like, the other day, I heard that this guy made it, like, in, in a... In a I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to compromise, <laughs> you know, but... The guy made like in uh, over uh, over uh, three months a million dollars, a million dollars for him. So, if it was only a million dollars for him, how much to the to the producing company? And like that, and, and, and it's like something with like basic numbers. They put the numbers together and it makes sense. You go like you think you, you first you think like ah come on one million dollars, and then no, it's true. The amount of geese that people sell monthly nowadays. You would never imagine that, you know, Gustavo. I mean, it's numbers that people back in the day would say, like, no way, this is never going to happen. It's impossible. This is not going to happen. I, I put my life into that. And look at that. And look at where we are right now. So uh, what I think from the lesson from all that is, number one, if you have somebody that's your role model, if you have somebody that you trust and admire and you really, really believe in what they say, pay attention to this guy. Get a mentor, get a mentor that you trust. Talk to them, open your heart to them, even your struggles, even your fears, whatever. But pay attention to what they say. Instead of criticizing, keep your mind open and listen. A lot of people are too radical nowadays. They don't want to listen. They know better. This is, sorry about my French, but this is bullshit. This is uh, a lie, blah, 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 whatever. No. Keep your mind open, listen, listen to it. Uh, future, whatever you need to future, but believe because now, Gustavo, I really believe with all this experience that what we do is going to get even bigger. Absolutely. Man, look, 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 look at what you're doing, Gustavo. Like we're doing a podcast that thousands of people see. You are like having got this this mental facet, this 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 psychological thing, this this mindset thing that is so important. Maybe that's the differentiator nowadays from a champion and a non-champion. I believe this 100% because everybody's tough, everybody's technical, everybody trains hard, everybody takes supplements. So there's no unfair competition in this sense. So this is the, the, the difference nowadays. The mind, you know. And, uh, and, and we're going to get even further, man. I really believe that we're going to get further. And I think that the generations to come will really be dealing with something huge, yeah. huge. And I know that. And uh, if God allows me to be alive by then, I will look back and I say, "Man, that that's that's amazing." I, I'm proud. I'm nowadays. I go to world championships. Honestly, sometimes I just cross my hands and I just look. The stadium, the people, the scales, the 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 the, the TVs, the plasma TVs, <laughs> the big screen, and the security. I go like, man. This is amazing. <laughs> it is, man. It is. This is amazing, man. Because, this is amazing. You know, all because I think it's Carlos Gracie Jr. just 
live the the quota if you're looking for a big opportunity. He was looking for a big opportunity. He accepted a crazy challenge. Oh yeah, crazy yeah. challenge. Man, from his Odds own family, completely against him. Man, imagine your own family. He even his own family, like Gracie family, is huge, but most of them were just like, man, you're crazy. You're not the one to do it. Who are you to do it? No, it's not gonna work. That's ridiculous. This and that, like playing against them. And look at him. Look what he achieved now. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's crazy. And, and one thing just kind of because I was just having a conversation with one of my students before leaving the academy. Actually, he had, a, had an interview here on episode 17. Uh, he is the co-founder of uh, Bobby Green. He's a co-founder of a nonprofit organization called Skate After School. So mm -hmm. he's really into the skateboard world and saying how skateboarding now in the Olympics. And he was saying like, because he's kind of like old school skateboarder too and saying how it was back in the day, the culture, there's nothing now. It's sponsors. The same thing we were talking about in, in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And, and of course, going to have the haters like, oh, they're a sellout. Oh, they're doing this. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That are being created because of that. And I just, and I mentioned to him, like, I tell you what, because, and I mentioned to how, you know, I'm not trying to ask anyone to agree with what I'm saying as far yeah. as, again, I, do I agree with everything IBJJF does? Not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But I tell you yeah. what, I'm a citizen in the United States. I got my visa because of the titles that I got from IBJJF. Exactly. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Me too. And, Same way. Yeah. And All of so us, actually. People All of us. don't you know? know that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if, if I didn't have that, how was going to qualify for a visa to apply? Like, what did you win? It'd be like, what, what proves you that you actually accomplished something? What gives you, why should we give you an extraordinary ability visa? Exactly. You know, exactly. an O-1 visa. Why that? And yeah. if it wasn't for them, where would it be able to show that? Exactly. So people don't see that part, but that's, that's part of it. Not everyone will understand. I think, like you mentioned, um, we have experience and I think you, you live even more than and I did. I started jujitsu in 1989, but you started like experience even further in everything that you you did and experience and, and accomplish. And man, it's so much. So and being there with him, so you've yeah. seen. I saw just a a little bit compared to what you saw as far as the growth. You know what I mean? Of being inside uh, Gracie Baja since the beginning, the and seeing the beginning of the federation right there. So it's. Incredible. I'm one of the founders. My name yeah. is there. <laughs> so, yeah. There was like a couple of people, like the CBJJA was one of the founders, one of the, uh, the, the counselors or whatever. <laughs> All started with a challenge that he accepted. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. What is a habit, one habit that you feel that you practice every day that helps you in jiu-jitsu, life, business? I will tell you one, one thing that... Uh, of course, I'm trying to be physically active and all that, but I mean, I think that's pretty much everybody knows. There's one thing that I do every single day that I feel like 19 day difference after I start, I started doing it, which is a prayer. I make a prayer, not a prayer on the format. I'm a Catholic, but not a Catholic format necessarily prayer or, or not even a religious only 100% prayer. It's just a time to myself, just me, with no sound, like nobody bothering me. It's yeah. a meditating, but it's a prayer to God mm -hmm. through Jesus Christ, which I believe. Mm -hmm. But thinking, talking, 
asking for advice and uh, and and asking not advice but asking other things too mm -hmm. you know clarity yeah give clarity, clarity. It, exactly and this man it made it, it made a huge difference in my life i'm telling you now i mean this moment is the moment that sometimes and when i because i'm so busy like crazy day and i feel that I, when I, I go like man i didn't do it i didn't have time i'm already exhausted to go to bed i still do like a smaller version of it but that's the only time that I really feel peaceful. I feel like, okay. After that, I feel like relaxed. I mean, the, the after training sensation is great too, but I mean, mm -hmm. for the soul, this is what I have it that I had every single day of my life for, for a good like 15 years now mm -hmm. that I do. And uh, it made the whole difference, man. I think everybody should have like a little time to yourself mm -hmm. to talk to God, or if you don't believe in God, talk to the energy that you feel that is the architect of the whole thing that goes on. And mm -hmm. uh, I think it's really beneficial. I really like it. So not that, of course, you'd want anything different in your life because uh, no regrets. And no matter where you're at in your life, it's just based on the choices that you made. So you're happy, you have your kids and your family and business and everything. So I know that you don't want anything different. But if you have to give advice to the young Draculino when younger, when he moved to the United States, let's say, and you went back and had a conversation with him, just could give him one quick tip, like, hey, uh, just watch this here, or what that would be. That's a great question. I would go back and, and tell Draculino, the young Draculino version, <laughs> that... Uh, Listen, buddy, you are not entitled to nothing in this life. Nothing. You know, you come into this world with nothing except yourself and you live the same way. And if you don't, you're lucky, but don't expect, don't think you're entitled to anything that you don't deserve more things than other people because of any reason. No, just go and get it because nothing will be given out to you because of one reason or the other, or because you were like more graduated, or because you have more titles, or because you're more famous. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Everybody, I think that nobody's entitled to, excuse me, my French, nobody's entitled to shit in this life. You have to go get it. And uh, sometimes when I came, I think I was under the impression still that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a Brazilian, I'm a black belt, I'm graduated, I'm, I ha I have, I'm from a great school, and uh, things will we will open themselves easier. It, it, it's going to work out. I'll figure out now. I had to do the grinding like everybody else. So I would say that for sure. That's, that's that you're the, not entitled to anything. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's the beauty of the emotional maturity as we get older. You know, yeah. as we oh, reevaluate, yeah. we, look, we look back and some of the, like you're saying in the beginning, some some people are not going to relate because we're we're talking about your interview and you're saying like well, you know had really good feedback, but I have some of the haters. Yeah, of course. You. But what I always say is, uh, you did the best you could with the emotional maturity that you had at that moment. You exactly. know what I mean? If you knew exactly. better, we've done differently. Exactly. But back then, that's what it made sense to you. And some mm -hmm. people, if they gonna carry that for their long time they're gonna live in regret and shame exactly. and guilt and my god how could i be like it doesn't matter man if i if if my emotional maturity it's i like to say that a, 
the emotional maturity level just goes from like zero to a hundred. Our goal is to, maybe you're never going to reach the hundred, but our goal yeah. is try to raise that as much as we can. We look when you're young. Yeah. We're like whatever level each one can, can put, but our goal is every year or every day, you know, just like, Hey, can I get a point one more emotional mature than, mm -hmm. than before? Because I remember that I put a video a while back and just asking, you consider yourself mature and people would be like, Hey, oh yeah, I'm, I'm mature. I pay my yeah. bills. You know, I'm responsible. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Now, are you emotionally mature? Cause that's a different conversation. Yeah. And emotionally mature is different that someone's going to bump you and going to say what, and just going to clock them in the face and be like, that's different. You know what I mean? You still can pay yeah. your bills and do all that and, yeah. and lose your cool like that. And, but that's the things that when you're younger and then we look back, some of the things that are some of the decisions that are made, I'm like, my God, you know, yeah. like, I'm glad that I'm <laughs> yeah, still me, here, you know, me but, too. Yeah. and you know what, man, I'm far too be emotionally mature. <laughs> the process never I have ends. a long way yeah long way. but i get you that the process never ends that's why it's a process you know yeah uh, do you have the habit of maybe reading or audiobooks or podcasts or video anything that you like to consume to get content i used to be a great reader man mm -hmm. i used to read every single day mostly before going to bed because mm -hmm. it's funny because i be reading before going to bed i fall asleep with the book but that would be on my mind. And the, mm -hmm. I really think it observed really well. And I, besides that, I was like on my spare time or sometimes I was hurt or sick or something. I would eat, I ate books. I, I read a lot of books, not just school books, but books in general. What but is, that's one what thing. What's yeah. a book that maybe uh, stood out for you that you remember? Man, like uh, in regards to books anything. for, uh, yeah, anything uh, there's two draw. books. There are two books uh, uh, that I read that really made me Maybe think, maybe think, maybe we're like, whoa, you know, that makes sense. That's right. Think and Grow Rich mm -hmm. from Napoleon Hill. And then also The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Great What's book. the name of that author? Is, uh... is it Stephen Covey? Yeah, Stephen Covey. That's him. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, those books really, really made a difference on, uh, on, on how to think, on how to analyze, how to understand. Uh, more to the professional side, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, there's another book that's kind of more inspirational uh, to see how good our life can be and how tough a human being can be and how sometimes you complain uh, 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 for little, little bitty things and we shouldn't. It's a book called Leningrad. Uh, mm -hmm. Leningrad is about, it's like a 600 page book. Wow. It's about the story of Leningrad, which is a city, uh, in the Soviet, Soviet Union that, uh, they were three years under siege during the second world war. And, uh, for three years, they didn't get any supplies. They were like being bombarded 24 seven. So the Nazis couldn't get into the city, but he pretty much surrounded the city and the city was under siege. And uh, from a population of two million, two and a half million people, I don't remember the numbers correctly, they end up with like, uh, I think, 300,000 or something like that. And most wow. of them died by hunger. 
disease, cold, because the temperatures were like minus 40, minus 30, and there were no heat, there were no electricity, there was no like a, a coal to, 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 to burn, there was no food. It was like cannibalism taking to place because people don't have, didn't have anything to eat. And then I saw like the extreme of that situation. And even on a situation like that, you see, for example, people like cannibalizing others and you see people showing the best of humanity at the same time. You know, people doing things like hero, heroes, like the real heroes doing things that you unimaginable for the good. You know what I mean? And, and, and uh, man, like that book really impressed me. Gustavo really, really impressed me on, on how blessed we are, man. On what these people went through is like unimaginable. So it's a book that stood out for me too, you know, for the personal side, you know? Yeah. And I was mentioned to the, to the listeners, a suggestion for the listeners too, just find whatever medium works for you, or it's a book. Sometimes audio book now is getting more and more popular because yeah. people can go to the gym and listen or in a car mm-hmm. uh, or finding a podcast that you connect with YouTube. There's a lot of positive, great content on YouTube. So there's a lot of like, a free stuff with books. I do both. I do the audiobook and the and reading. And the reading, my suggestion that I that I I learned years ago and I use it is mm-hmm. to read at least 10 pages of a book a day. Because yeah. if you read 10 pages a day at the end of the year, it's 3,650 yeah. pages. That's about 15 to 20 books. I tell yeah. you what, 15 yeah. to 20 positive books can make such a great impact in your life. Oh yeah. Just 10 pages finding finding a book that you connect and put in on maybe half an hour. It helps big time. So it's a suggestion that I got a long time ago. So I try to pass it on. So now getting close to the end of the interview. So what are you currently excited? What's going on with your school? And I know you involved with MMA training fighters as well. Yeah. Man, I'm being all over the place. <laughs> you know, like I sometimes I think I have too much on my plate. I have three schools that I own. Uh, I have one here in Webster, in the Houston area, another one in Pearland that I have uh, my partner, uh, Marcelo Rapuru. Rapuru is my, one of my oldest students. And I have the one in Belo Horizonte that I left, and now my partners are Caloquinha, Serginho, and Bolão. So mm-hmm. those are my, my schools. And besides that, I have uh, 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 my regional director for Gracie Baja uh, 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 activities, too, that I have to kind of coordinate all this Gracie Baja schools activities in Texas, which is like, there's a lot of work. We are already 23 schools in Texas and growing. Uh, I'm looking actually to open another school as well with some of my students from Brazil at the moment. I was actually taking them to the airport before talking to you now, taking them back to the airport. They flew in uh, early, early this week. And, uh, and, and yeah, and the personal side, I mean, my kids just graduated from, my, my daughter is a lawyer now. She's going to be working in New York City. My wow. son has been working for the government of Texas. He graduated in history, political science. They're grown ups. So they have their own lives. And, uh, and yeah, you know, and uh, living day by day, uh, trying to improve like we talked in the beginning, but also keeping my foot on the ground because sometimes if you try to do everything, like we say in Brazil, if you try to hold the world with your legs, it's not going to work, you know? Yeah. So try to be also humble, try to, 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 to keep living day by day and, and, and try to, to make a mark in this world and whatever I can. Got it. And how people can find out more about your website or how they're gonna, they can look up on your social media? 
Yeah, my social media is, uh, my Instagram is Draculino, at Draculino BJJ. Uh, the same for Twitter. Twitter is the same thing. Uh, Facebook, Vinicius Magalhães, my name, Vinicius Magalhães Draculino. And then our websites is uh, pretty much the websites of the school. Uh, GracieBarraTX.com, GBPerland.com, GB, GracieBarraBH.com.br. So you can easily get in touch with me from there and know a little bit more about uh, a little bit more about our work and everything. Awesome, man. It's such a pleasure to have you here. I've been, of course, watching you for a long time, uh, even in Brazil. Uh, at the first Worlds, uh, I competed that one too, but I watched it was a purple belt. Uh, yeah, me too, man. I'll be sorry. Like I see, like you're amazing, amazing <laughs> jiu-jitsu fighter, always a great results. I mean, you're the generation from Novo Union. We've got like a lot of really good people there. It's like you, Robinho, Shaolin, Wagner, mm -hmm. uh, Luiz Amigo, uh, Charuto, G that's a hell of a team. Excuse me if I forgot yeah. some amazing others, but I mean, those guys, oh man, you know, it was always like very big rivalry, Gracie Bad. It was always a war, but it was, it was great times, man. You guys are amazing there. So you are amazing. Yeah, so thank you so much for the interview. Really appreciate it. And for the listeners, maybe if you're listening for the first time after the interview, I give my final thoughts which is basically just reflect on some of the topics you're talking about in an interview, create some content that can inspire and impact and improve your life in some way. So I'll be doing that and reflecting what is a, a good topic to share with you. So for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Uz, thank you, Draculino. Thank you, Professor. Appreciate it. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Vinicius Draculino Magalhães. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram TV at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Draculino is a fifth degree black belt from Carlos Gracie Jr. He currently lives in Texas and owns three academies. He's the regional director for Gracie Bahia in the state of Texas. He talked about the importance of having a mentor and listening to this mentor. He shared his early days in jiu-jitsu from moving to Belo Horizonte, accepting Carlos Gracie Jr.'s challenge to open the first Gracie Barra school out of Rio de Janeiro, to eventually take an even bigger challenge, which was moving to the United States and take his professional career to another level, which inspired me to title this episode, Big Challenge Equals Big Opportunity. What is the most meaningful quote that you have ever heard? A quote that you do your best to live in congruence with it. I mentioned to you during the interview and previous interviews that my favorite quote is, if you're looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge. And it fits perfectly with this episode. Take a moment to reflect on some of the biggest challenges that you have ever accepted in your life. Hopefully, you had positive results. However, regardless of the outcome, did an opportunity for growth present itself? If you reflect deeply, you will realize that the answer is yes. Very often, life presents us with big opportunities in the form of big challenges. Now, it's up to you to have the self-awareness to recognize and accept them instead of being controlled by fear, doubt, anxiety, and or insecurities. Draculino accepted two major challenges in his life that took his life and his family's life to another level. He could have said, nah, it's too much risk. Let me wait for a safer opportunity. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the world would have said that. No, nah, no, next time. However, sometimes there is no next time. 
And without knowing the quote, if you're looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge, he was living it 100%. During episode zero, I share with you my personal story and the story of the podcast that basically started in 1997 when I was training at my coach's academy under Pedaneras for the World Championship in Rio when I met an American called Steve Da Silva. We became friends, and in 1998, he went back to Rio for the world, and he issued me a challenge, and he said, Hey, Gustavo, in six weeks, there will be a tournament in Irvine, California. I live in Vegas. You can visit me for a few days, then we can drive to Irvine and back to Vegas. You can stay at my house. We can crash at the hotel with us. What do you think? I had the vision of me being there, and I told him, I'm going. He said, really cool. Do you have a visa? I said, no, I don't even have a passport or the money, but I'm going. That was a huge desire that I had to travel and compete abroad, which I have never done to that point. So let's break down what happened. My friend issued me a challenge. As soon as I received the information, I had two options. Number one, nah, it's too soon. I don't have a passport, visa, or money. Uh, Maybe next time. Number two, dude. This is the opportunity that I've been looking for to travel and compete. I have to accept this challenge regardless of the short time. I thought, what is the worst case scenario? The American embassy can deny my visa and I don't get the application's money back or I don't raise enough money for the trip. On the other hand, the positive is that the first step to travel internationally is to own a passport. So I guess that is progress. Long story short, I got my passport, my visa, which, by the way, was a huge challenge to overcome, and I raised all the money for the trip. What opportunities this challenge provided me? Competed for the first time in the United States. It was one of my last brown belt matches. I won the featherweight and the openweight division, plus the opportunity to live in the United States, which I did in less than four months after my first trip. That is why I always share the motivational speaker, Tony Robbins, quote, It's in your moments of decisions that your destiny is shaped. Because of this decision, you're listening to this podcast today. Now, let me clear things here. I'm not trying to impress you with my accomplishments or my challenges. It's just to convey to you that when a big challenge knocks on your door, and this challenge is something that you have the desire for it, reflect on the opportunities for growth that will present itself from accepting this challenge Think about the worst case scenario and say yes. Remember, if you're looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge. You won't regret. Bose. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com. 